In John chapter 12, we're going to be looking at uh, verse 27. And uh, last week we were, we were in this chapter talking about Jesus being anointed in Bethany and what that meant. Uh, we just had read to us by Catherine uh, the passage on the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And of course, Jesus is getting ever closer to the crucial time where he's going to be taken away as prisoner and interrogated and uh, beaten and finally crucified. But uh, getting an idea here of what Jesus was thinking at this time, Jesus says here in John 12, verse 27, My heart is troubled, and what shall I say? So he's in prayer here to the Father. Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him, so they couldn't quite make out the conversation or what was being said. Verse 30, Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on the world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out, but I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. So here Jesus, very troubled at this time, because he was anticipating what it was going to be like to endure what he was about to face. As I said, not only being betrayed by one of his apostles, Judas Iscariot, but then taken away and beaten and tortured and finally crucified. So he was indeed troubled at this time. But notice in the midst of it all, he said in verse 28 that through it, all of this and through what he was going to face, he said, Father, glorify your name. So somehow the crucifixion brought glory to the Father. Now, that seems kind of strange. You would think the death of God's Son, Jesus Christ, would bring sorrow, trouble, you know, to, for the father to endure seeing what was about to happen to his son, Jesus Christ. But no, it was somehow going to bring the father glory. Now, remember back when Jesus first came to earth, when he was born in a manger in Jerusalem, there was a scripture in Luke that talked about when this happened. It says, when Jesus was born, the angels proclaimed, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. So the birth of Jesus Christ brought glory to the Father. But we're going to see today that also the death of Jesus Christ brought glory to the Father. In fact, everything that Jesus did when he was incarnated and became fully human as well as fully God, everything that he did was to bring glory to the Father. It was also, as the angel said here, going to bring peace to all those who followed Jesus. It was going to do away with the alienation they felt from God because of sin. So Jesus came to bring glory to the Father and everything that he was to do, but also to bring peace to those that would follow him. Now, everything that 
Jesus did was to bring glory to the Father. God glorifies his own name. Does this mean that he is self-centered? No. He is God. <laughs> and of anybody, he deserves all praise, honor, and glory. He is worthy of it. He is deserving of it. So not only did Jesus come to bring glory to the Father, we as disciples of Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, we are meant to bring glory to God as well. The deepest reason that we were created is to give glory to God. You know, I told you once before, I was, I was reading a, a catechism. I think it's called the Orthodox Presbyterian Short Catechism. And I was just kind of skimming through it, and the first point that this catechism made, a catechism, of course, is, is kind of a, a book of what one believes in. And the first thing, it started with a question. It says, what is the sole purpose of man? Why are we here? And the author wrote, the answer was, we exist in order to bring glory to God and to enjoy him forever. And I thought, that's brilliant. They encapsulated our whole purpose of existence in one little phrase. Our whole purpose of being, as human beings on this earth, is to give glory to God and to enjoy Him forever, which we will do, because we're followers of Jesus Christ. We are now considered sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ, so we will enjoy Him forever. But I thought that that was a beautiful phrase. The reason we were created is to give glory to God. And the wonderful thing about our triune God that we worship, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as he reveals himself, you know, he is completely self-sufficient in himself. God is. He doesn't need us, but he created us out of his mercy and out of his love. And his truth and his grace overflows. He's got so much truth and grace, it overflows into his creation and touches our lives. So everything that God does is the display of some aspect of his glory, his beauty, his greatness, his mercy. But exactly how did Jesus' crucifixion bring glory to the Father? Well, Jesus explains here in the verse that we just read in uh, John 12, in verse 31. John 12, verse 31, this is what Jesus said, now is the time for judgment on this world. So the first way that God glorifies himself is by judging the world. And Jesus said that judgment was going to take place now at the time of his crucifixion. God glorifies himself, first of all, by judging the world. Now, wait a minute. I thought <laughs> that judgment takes place at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Well, yes, a certain type of judgment will take place then. But there's also a type of judgment that took place at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, hold your place here and turn back to John and verse 24. John 5 and verse 24. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ was a crucial event in so many respects. But notice what uh, John writes about it here in John 5 and verse 24. He says this. 
Jesus speaking, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Uh, where am I? John 5. Let me get to the right book. John 5 and verse 24. I tell you the truth, Jesus speaking, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. So based on Jesus' death for our sins, his, his crucifixion, if we and when we believe, he says, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. So when you become a believer, when you hear the gospel and you understand that you're a sinner and that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth to live a life of perfection, but then to die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins, my sins, the sins of the whole human race. Once you come to understand that and believe it, what happens to you is that you have crossed over from death to life. In other words, your judgment has already happened. So as a believer, as, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as a Christian, for all intents and purposes, your judgment has already taken place. Why is that? Because you have accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, and you have allowed His death on the cross to pay the death penalty that you owe for your sins. And that's what designates you as a Christian. That's what designates you as a child of God, that believing in faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. So those who trust in Jesus Christ to reconcile them to the Father will not come into judgment. Why? Because they have already passed from the condemned state of death into the justified state of eternal life. Their judgment has already happened. So I don't fear the return of Jesus Christ. A lot of people do because it's going to be judgment day for them. It's not going to be judgment day for me or for you if you're a believer, because your judgment has already taken place. It took place when you looked to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. Your judgment has already happened. So the death of Jesus Christ becomes the dividing line between the condemned and the vindicated. If you trust Jesus, you're united with him, and his death becomes your death. His condemnation becomes your condemnation. But if you never trust Jesus, okay, if you reject the gospel, if you do not accept Jesus as your personal Savior, if you don't consider yourself a sinner and you don't need a Savior, you stand condemned, both by your sin and by your rejection of his offer of forgiveness, and you will face judgment when Jesus returns. So in other words, the judgment that will take place at Jesus Christ's second coming is the judgment on unbelievers. If you are a believer, if you are a Christian, and you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, your judgment has already happened. So that's the first way, and, and God is glorified. It's a wonderful plan. It's a tremendous plan. 
It's a plan based on grace. So that is the first way that God glorifies himself. It's by judging the world through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's his death on the cross that caused this judgment for believers to take place now. The second way that God glorifies himself, as Jesus goes on to say here, is by casting out the ruler of this world. So what Jesus said in verse 31, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. So when Jesus died on the cross, God cast out the ruler of this world, Satan. Now in what sense was Satan cast out at the death of Jesus Christ? We know that Satan remains active and alive in the world today because Paul in the book of Ephesians tells us that we need to wear the armor of God to protect ourselves from him. So Satan is still on the loose in this world, stirring things up, tempting people, whatever the case may be. In fact, Satan at this point in time entered Judas Iscariot, the scripture tells us, at the time that he betrayed Jesus. Satan intended the pain and suffering inflicted on Jesus by the Jewish and the Roman authorities to destroy Jesus' faith and obedience to the Father and to undermine the whole work of salvation. But Jesus didn't give in. So Satan failed. And in failing, Satan himself was judged and defeated by God. Not the final defeat, but the one that guarantees his final defeat. The book of Revelation talks about Satan's final defeat and what will happen to him after the return of Jesus Christ. But scripture tells us here that when Jesus died on the cross, he stripped Satan of the one weapon Satan could use to accuse us. And that is unforgiven sin. So as long as we carry around unforgiven sin as God's creation, Satan has that tool to continue to attack us, to accuse us. But scripture here tells us that the blood of Jesus covers our sin, all sin. All of our sin is forgiven when we accept Jesus as our savior. That is the penalty that he paid by dying on the cross. He took our death sentence and fulfilled it himself so that we don't have to. Turn with me to Revelation 12, verse 11. Revelation 12 and verse 11, that's why it says here, in talking about the saints, Revelation 12, 11, it says, they, the saints, that's you and me, they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So Satan was defeated at Jesus' death on the cross because unforgiven sin, the only way that Satan has of accusing us, is wiped away by the blood of the lamb. Our sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. So in that sense, God conquered Satan. Now, Satan's final defeat comes at the time of Jesus' return. So we've seen so far that the death of Jesus Christ glorified the Father. How? First of all, God glorified himself by judging the world. 
Jesus' death on the cross was a part of judgment. And by claiming him as our savior, we have been judged. Secondly, God glorified himself by casting out the ruler of the world, Satan. Satan, at that last attempt, tried to get Jesus to turn from the Father as he was facing the pain, the torture, and so on, but Jesus refused. He would not be tempted. He would not be led astray from his trust in the Father. So the Father was glorified in that as well. Thirdly, Jesus says here, back in John 12, God glorifies himself by drawing all people to Jesus. Notice what it says in John 12, verse 32. Jesus said, but when I am lifted up from the earth, he meant on the cross, I will draw all men and women to myself. So God is glorified in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ because now a lot of people look to that cross. You know, we have the cross hanging there behind, behind me with the purple shroud on. And that cross has become a symbol to people, a symbol of belief, a symbol of salvation. And God uses that cross and what happened on that cross, more importantly, Jesus' death, to draw people to hear the gospel and to draw people to salvation, drawing them to belief in Jesus and accepting Jesus as their savior. And to this very day, 2,000 years later, the gospel continues to be preached to the ends of the earth, all around the world. And people are being drawn to belief without regard for nationality, race, social status, or political affiliation. The Father glorifies himself in the death of Jesus Christ by making salvation available to all who believe. So again, by the death of Jesus, God is glorified. The Father is glorified. Turn with me to John 3 and verse 16. John 3, verse 16, a very familiar verse to all of us. It says, For God so loved the world, so the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was based on God's love for his creation, for mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him, so notice, it requires belief. You hear the gospel, and you got to believe it. And then God will give you faith to believe it even more. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And again, he says, whoever believes in him is not condemned... So you're not going to face judgment, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So that crucifixion of Jesus on the cross is a turning point. <laughs> if you understand it, if you believe it, if you have a personal need for a savior and call on Jesus to be your savior, you're no longer condemned. Your sins are forgiven you now have eternal life to look forward to. But if you don't believe, if you don't accept Jesus, you stand condemned because you're still under your sin. And also in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2, 
So because of Jesus' death on the cross, the opportunity for salvation has taken place. And we still live in the age, we don't know how much longer it's going to go on before Jesus returns. But Paul warns us in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2, for he says, quoting an Old Testament scripture here, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And that day is not going to go on forever. It's a limited period of time. And thanks be to God that we lived in that period of time where salvation is available and the gospel is being preached and we responded to it. But don't forget, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Take action. Listen to that gospel. Study it. Search your heart. Are you a sinner? Have you ever sinned in your life? If you have, you brought upon yourself a death penalty. And if nothing happens to change your situation, that's what you're looking forward to. Death for sin. But you have the opportunity to claim a savior. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the scripture tells us there's only one name under heaven by which a person can be saved, and it's Jesus. So the fourth way that God glorifies himself through the death of Jesus Christ is, back here to John chapter 12, by shining as the light of the world in the followers of Jesus. So this is where it becomes really personal for each and every one of us. John said in John 12, verse 36, again quoting Jesus, John 12, verse 36, verse 35, Jesus told them, you are going to have the light, referring to himself, just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. So he's talking about how he has come into this darkened, sinful, fallen world as the light of God. So he says, respond to the light, follow the light, walk in the light, because I'm not going to be around forever. In fact, he was going to die on the cross, be buried, be resurrected from the dead, and then only walk around on earth for another 40 days before he was going to depart. He was going to ascend back up to heaven. He says, the man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. Put your trust in the light while you have it, so that you may become sons and daughters of light. So take advantage of this opportunity for salvation. Claim Jesus as your Savior, and as you follow the light, who is Jesus Christ, you then will become sons and daughters of light. The light of Jesus Christ will shine from your life so that others may see and follow. Not follow you, but follow Jesus who is in you. So we talk about this quite a bit. How God says we are a light and nobody puts a bushel on top of a light. You let the light shine. You put it on a pedestal so that people can see. And what Jesus is saying here is that when we become his followers, that light that we're following, who is Jesus Christ, comes to dwell in us, and his light shines in our life. So we as Christians need to make a difference 
in the world in which we live, in your little part of the world, in my little part of the world, we can't act any longer like we used to or like people in the world do. We need to act differently. If we're truly followers of Jesus Christ, God is in the process of transforming us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So we start treating people the way Jesus treated people. We start living and acting and thinking and speaking the way Jesus spoke. And people need to be able to see that light. And we don't shine that light in a self-righteous way or in a judgmental way on other people, but as a servant and in all humility, just like Jesus Christ. You know, God's glory is revealed for us to cherish as our highest treasure. It's revealed supremely in the death of Jesus because there the world is judged, Satan is cast out, and eternal life for all believers is secured. So we are called on to trust Jesus for all of this. It is a blood-bought gift for us. And you know, this week we're coming up on, as the Catholics called it, Holy Thursday, or as the Protestants call it, Monday Thursday, where you reflect on Jesus' Last Supper, his betrayal, his imprisonment, and so on. Then, of course, Good Friday is coming up this Friday where Christians commemorate Jesus' death on the cross, followed, of course, by next Sunday, which will be Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday. It's a time for us to reflect on what has been done on our behalf. And it's something that we should never take casually. We should be aware of these days and perhaps even reading over certain scriptures rehearsing the death and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ it was all done to bring glory to the Father and God the Father is glorified in all of these ways by judging the world through the death of Jesus by casting out the ruler of this world Satan by the death of Jesus by drawing all people to salvation through Jesus and of course it's our personal decision it's open to all, but it's got to be a personal decision on the part of everybody. That's why God gave us a free will. You hear the gospel and you got to respond to it. You're either going to accept it or reject it. And it, of course, has a lot to do with your judgment. If you accept it, your judgment is finished. And your judgment has been approved <laughs> by God. But if you reject it, tough times are ahead for you when Jesus returns. Because you're still going to be held accountable for all of your sins. And finally, God glorifies himself by shining as the light of the world in you. And that's a, a responsibility we all have. Will you treasure this gift that God bought for you through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ? If you believe you don't just see the light of Christ, you become children of the light and you shine forth the glory of God. May God help us all to do that in a more powerful way and in a deeper way.